Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and joining me today, I have four of us here, and uh, got Brent back, Chris is with us, and then Mr. Jacob Gwynn, thank you for being with us today, brothers. So, Thank you. Good to be back. Okay, we're probably sick of talking about COVID, I know many people are, but let's talk about, well, let's talk about bad rubrics coming out of this. A uh, recent article that was published and we, we kind of all passed it around and I'm going to put it here in the description, the link, the new characteristics of churches that will be in decline five years from now. So what are some of the things that this author points out? Well, you know, he says, you know, as we look back five years ago in churches that have done different various types of ministry and we think, why in the world are they doing that? What were they thinking? Uh, for example, I knew of one church in Atlanta in a growing, thriving area where suburbs were going up left and right all around it. They thought the best idea to grow their church and to help reach the community would be to have put most of their outreach eggs in the basket of reaching the nursing home across the street. Even though there are young families that are going in all around them, they thought the best, con- the best way to reach their community was to reach out to those senior adults. Now, is it bad to reach out to senior adults? No, it's not bad to reach out to senior adults. But should that have been the main thing? And should most of the eggs have been put in that basket whenever you got young families flocking to the area in the region? I think that would be worth a different assessment. So we can look back at a church like that five years ago and say, what were they thinking? Well, in a similar fashion now, we may have to do the same thing, but if we can correct some of that now, perhaps we won't have people looking at us saying, what were they thinking five years ago coming out of COVID, thinking this is how things are going to work? First one being this, the leaders bet everything on a physical return to church. Now, what he means by this is he goes on to question, is a physical church coming back? He says, you bet it is, and I think all four of us would agree with that, right, that the physical gathering of the church is not going to go away. Yes. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, definitely. But as long as people are coming uh, and they're, they're looking for some kind of connection, and, you know, one of the things that I have seen in this COVID season is foot traffic of visitors has gone down significantly. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We, we've kind of been seeing the unusual pattern in the last month or two where we've seen more foot traffic of visitors and I don't know if that's just with maybe, and most of those people having conversations with, um, I'd say half of them were from other local churches and there was something going on with maybe their church wasn't there or was closed. And so they went to a local church and then the other half were people who moved in uh, the area and were just looking for a good local church. And so we've had several visitors and, and some of them that already in conversation about joining the church. So that's been kind of one of the surprises that we've seen in the last month or two is how many visitors we've had. We've had some visitors uh, since we resumed services in the summer, but it's kind of come in spurts and I haven't looked to see if that tracked with kind of like the local out, you know, outbreak in terms of number of cases or anything, but we'll go a month and not really see anybody new. And then for a few weeks, we'll have some new folks and then it'll kind of fade again. So I, I don't know what to, attribute that to 
Yeah, we've had a few visitors. I mean, it, it's maybe not down significantly. I think it is still down. And pretty much all the visitors we've had have been visitors that have been searching for something online and come across our live stream. And then they saw that we were doing something in person. We've not really had anything like Jacob mentioned, you know, other church people from other churches that maybe aren't meeting or, or whatever. Um, and so someone's looking for a in-person church home, but we have had some visitors that have sort of filtered in through seeing us on our live stream and then, and then wanting to come and be a part. And that's actually been really good because our retention rate on those people are, is actually really high. So I think some of us too can kind of get in the trap of doing, um, doing nothing well, <laughs> you know, to where you, you've gotten sort of used to this COVID world where you can't do a whole lot this way or that way. And so you just don't do a whole lot. Um, so, yeah. Another one is success is still measured by the number of people who physically attend your building and your campus. Uh, we here in the Southern Baptist Convention have an annual document we're supposed to send into our association, which I think is then forwarded on to Nashville called the ACP Report. And the ACP report, to be quite honest, does not even have categories for how we're uh, trying to measure and see ministry right now. Would you brother say that's true? That's right. Yeah, I would say that's true. But, you know, to be fair, um, the metrics, I think, for live streaming on like a Facebook are not always reliable measures. Um, you know, YouTube and things like that are, are much more reliable measures for how you track that, you know, Facebook, you know, a lot of times I've seen people say, Oh, we've had over a thousand people view our service on Facebook. Well, when you go, when you start looking at the analytics, 80% of those are what are considered three second views. And that's considered a view. It's when you start diving a little bit deeper into views that are considered more than two to five minutes, that that's an actual view. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I can understand why they haven't quite put that metric on there because if I said we had a thousand views, I mean, that would skew our attendance per se, and it's not a true metric. And so I I think people are trying to figure out, even I remember early on in COVID, uh, people, even larger churches were trying to figure out how best to, you know, tabulate and track online presence. Because I think that is a hard and a new metric that no one's really sure how to, how to work with. Yeah, to that point, when we we had been live streaming before COVID a little bit, and then, of course, COVID sort of forced us to up our game, and we started using Restream. And so to compare the Facebook views to the report, and Restream gives a very detailed report. Like, it emails it to you as soon as the stream ends. Um, but to, like, compare, we would have a video that, like, immediately after the service was over, might have 550 or 600 views. Well, when we get the restream report, the restream report, it gives you views like that, but it also gives you how many people watch from like start to finish, how many people watch in like 20 to 25 minute time frame, so on and so forth. And so for people that watched pretty much start to finish, it was like 20 people, you know, compared so if you look at Facebook and there's over 600 views, it's like, all right. But then when you really look at it, there's 20 people that you are engaging with for the whole hour long service. Yeah. I mean, who of us would really count it as a, 
as a, you know, a successful person in attendance, if they walked in and sat on the back for 15 minutes and then got up and left, right? Like we wouldn't count that as a win or, or really, even if they came and stayed for the whole service, but just sat there completely unengaged and didn't talk to anybody, didn't contribute anything, didn't sing any songs, we've all got people like that. Are we pleased with that? Are we, are we satisfied with that sort of engagement? No. So again, it's, it's a tricky thing when you, when you want to say, Oh, we reached them by doing that. It depends on what you mean by that and what you're really shooting for. I call that the airport experience, what you just described, Chris. So we're all going to arrive at the same time. We're all going to take the same journey through the biblical text and worship. And then we're all going to land the plane at the same time there at the church. And we're all going to leave and go our separate ways. But we didn't talk to anybody that was there. We didn't engage with anybody that was there. It was just like an airplane ride from point A to point B. And that's all that was. Right. So if we're not satisfied with that, when it comes to in-person attendance, I want to be very careful about celebrating that when it comes to online attendance. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect world. There are reasons that we need to offer these opportunities and, and we want to be thankful for those chances we do have to minister to people in those ways, but we just need to be realistic about what we're actually achieving. Yeah. I don't think you can really count it as an online engagement if they don't give you the praise hands or fire emoji during the sermon. I don't know what it is about a lot of the people that uh, that watch our our videos on Facebook. Either we do or say things that make them mad a lot, or they can't really tell which emoji face they're clicking on. Because almost every <laughs> week I get some angry faces, and it's from like you know loving church members. So I don't I don't know what to do with that. Did you ask them? Maybe you should just ask them. Well, some of them are you know, the sweet old ladies. And I just don't really want to. Oh, okay. I was about to say that would probably be a case of mistaken emojis. If that's How do case. you bring that up? I could tell by your emojis, you were displeased with the service Sunday. You want to talk about that a little or <laughs> we need to do another, uh, another podcast, things that we say now that we didn't say 20 years ago, you know, yep. <laughs> so, what did you mean by that emoji? Tell me. <laughs> Or or when they leave like a very positive comment and then a mad emoji face. You're like, which is it? <laughs> Confused. I'm I'm happy and angry at the same time. Every good sermon leaves me that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Another one is online ministry is seen as an afterthought or lesser form. That would be a bad approach, bad decision. I do agree with this one that the author makes here that we have to be I would say more intentional in our online ministry and online presence. What are some ways that we can do that other than just throwing up a camera and tacking that on to an in gathering service? For me, the, the biggest, the biggest concern about the increase in online services is a decrease in discipleship in the church. Um, And it's sort of to Chris's point about lack of engagement. You can't engage with one another like you would in person. So um, I, I think churches really desperately need, if not already, it's pro- you're, you're probably late if you've not started it yet, but you've got to start figuring out how to do online discipleship, um, whether it's through Zoom, something like this. Um, I, I think, I think the, one, the, the, the personal engagement 
Um, I mean, this isn't the same as all of us sitting in a room together, sure, but um, it's it's a lot better than just one person talking and everybody else, you know, sitting behind a keyboard and putting fire emojis up, you know. Or angry face emojis. Or angry faces, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the author's right on this. I mean, we got our live stream going and initially put a lot of effort into it and, and over time could see where we were kind of not putting as much focus on that and focusing more on the in-person or even our, our drive-in service because they're, they're physical, they're present. And so it's easy and natural to kind of shift your attention to that. And so one of the things I know um, that we just try to do in our service is just intentionally acknowledging that. So during the welcome, right? Welcoming those who are gathered with us in our sanctuary, those who are gathered uh, you know, in their vehicles, but then those also who are online uh, watching our service. And so even in the sermon, you know, I try to be intentional about, um, you know, little, little comments saying, you know, whether, whether you're at home or whether you're here with us, the implications of this passage is da, 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 da. And so I think there's just little things you can do like that, that, that show engagement. But I, I, I to, to Brent, Brent and Chris's point, it's, it's hard to really engage uh, beyond that unless you have some intentional strategy. And, and if we're honest, I think most of us are going to put most of our intention out. At least I know I am. Um, it's just easy and natural at those who, who are there. And so I think in many ways it is an afterthought. Is online ministry a lesser form of ministry? Explain, explain what you mean by that, because I want to answer you know, uh, according to the way I really think, think about it. So whenever in our minds, that's important or less like, um, well, do we, do we approach online ministry as something that is worthy of the same amount of planning, preparation and engagement as we would in-person gatherings and in-person discipleship? You know what I mean? When we're doing in-person gatherings, and in-person discipleship, I don't know how you brothers do it, but I'm spending hours ahead of time prepping for that. And what we're talking about on this point is basically just kind of tacking this on to what we're already doing on the backside instead of putting a level of intentionality with it because we don't see it as a ministry that is worthy of those hours of preparation ahead of time. I was just going to say that I think probably the way I would answer would be different in terms of if you're asking me ideally what I think about it versus what's actually happening right now. Um, we're still trying to get caught up and do a lot of things better than we are. And some of that's just because of not having, you know, people available who can, who can do this or that at the moment. So ideally I think we should be giving more attention to preparing and, and doing these things well than we are. But I still think at the end of the day, like we said, that the, the in-person church is going to be back. And, and we want to, I think, give, give not, I don't want to say preference, but give the weight of our attention to that, to that sort of ministry, because ideally that's what we want people to, to re-engage in at some point. We don't want to, and this, some people will probably disagree with this, but I don't want to make the online experience so awesome that they think, well, I don't need to go to church. I've got everything I need here. Like, it should feel like, well, this is good, but it's not the same. And I want that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, 
and it being lesser, I agree with Chris. It is it is less than ideal for sure to have to have such an emphasis in online service. But like just on a weekly preparation basis, like you were talking about, Travis. So I, I guess every church does it different, but for us, myself and the sound and media guy or guys they uh we, we are always at the church like super early on sunday mornings getting everything ready and we've always done that but but now in the hour and a half to two hours that we're like preparing for the service and making sure that everything's right that our slides are right our music's right um everything that's going on the presentation the uh, my notes and things like that are right um that go along with the message we spend an equal amount of time making sure that everything is going to work for the online service as we do that it's going to work for the in-person service. So in that sense, it's not lesser to us. We spend an equal amount of time making sure that the online service, everything works as smoothly and we accommodate to the people watching online. But I think it, it is lesser in the sense that it is certainly there's less of a desire for us to, um, I guess, keep people in in the online service rather than bringing them in person um, eventually. But yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, we want to whatever we do, we want to do it well. We want to yeah. pursue excellence, and we want to do it for the glory of God. So we don't want to settle for less than than our best. And our best will differ. Some churches have more of a budget and more of a personnel team and, and a lot of other things that can make their online service of a higher quality. Um, but even if we're limited, we should do the best we can, Yeah. but we still need to think through what's the intention here and what's the ultimate goal of what we're doing with this. You have been listening to part one of the Appalachian Baptist network. What does it look like to have good metrics after COVID-19? Please tune in next week to hear the conclusion of this episode. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian-Baptist-Network. Join us again next Monday.